Welcome back to Don't Cast and Drive, a series of interviews of artistically driven personalities from different locations near and far. I am your speaker person, Veronica Tyler Christie, aka Sometimes V. Today, we got the greatest, we got the magnificent, we got the nerdy of all nerds, we got the, the <laughs> nerd. <laughs> Oh, hell, Bob! Back of Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Put me on blast, Cowtown! <laughs> Bay Area, and I'm like, nah. <laughs> the Moo Area, the Moo Area. Moo. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hey, uh, so some context. Uh, obviously, we're good friends here. So, <laughs> um, Very good I, friends, hell yeah. Yeah, I, hell met, yeah. I met the rap nerd... Um, like, I don't know, man. It's almost been like, what, five years? Almost, actually, no, almost like uh, seven, eight years. I've known oh you since, since, since 2013. Yeah, 2013. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, around like, there. Yeah, we met during an event, and then since then, we just. Mega Ran. He finally yeah. came He finally yeah. came out to the Bay. And no, no, so the second time he came out to the Bay, because 2012, he came out before 2013. I was getting serious. I met you. Um, it was an event that he had. Out kind of out funny out. live. Kind yes. of funny live. Yes, yes, I met you there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we we ended up talking while we were having dinner, and like you just clicked and just hit it off. Like we yeah. were running through the city, yeah, clicking off. Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it was like definitely like ever since then, it's like like we'd see each other at the same cons, we see each other at the same like concerts. I've been to your house a couple times to do some recordings. Like it's been a good ass time so far. So like you're a fucking gem. <laughs> so are you? Like 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 you, you family to me. You family. You know that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, so uh, everyone, I just want to happily announce that my boy here has released a new album, Rock Cookie Dough, ah! on, <laughs> on all platforms, Spotify, yes. iTunes, Bandcamp, most importantly. Um, hey, that, honestly, just knowing your personality, that shit is fucking hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> From the album art to the first, like, little <laughs> intro... And then it, it, you know, gets really nice and sweet and sugary at the end with you and some epilogue with your father. So it was really, really nice. It was an adventure listening to that. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you know what's crazy? Like, I, I want it to be an adventure. I want it to be a story. And props to the homie Brendan Treadway out in Atlanta. He's an artist, um, black guy, a talented artist. The guy's amazing. So I wanted, you know, so like, I really wanted to use his art. I hit him up. I told him the concept, where I was at. And he was like, I'm down with it. And so when I gave him design, I was like, dude, I want a picture basically of like me. You know, I told him, I told him, if you, I told him if you want to be a part of it, you can, but me chasing after like some cookie dough, but as like, as like, like a little kid. And then he put me like as a grown man, baby. And I was like, this is so dope. I was like, yes. I was like, yes. All this is, is everything. And then I remember um, I showed, I, I showed my, I showed my wife. And then like, I showed some friends of mine and they were like, yo, this is so dope. They're like, okay. I was okay. I'm on the yeah. right track. I'm on the right track. I'm on the right track. Yeah, yeah, I busted laughing when I first saw the album art because, like, I saw you promoting. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll go check it out in a second. And then when I actually looked at it, I went, wait, wait, is that? That's <laughs> what, I was like, that's why I'm chasing after some this fucking dude. It's, like, <laughs> it's 
so beautiful. It's because when you see, you're like, what the fuck? It draws you in. So I was like, yes, I want all that. I want all of it. It was some straight up Cartoon Network shit. It was, it was so amazing. I, if anyone hasn't seen it, you guys have to see the album art. Just, I mean, listen to it, but see the album art and really just take it in because he's, it's just him and like, you know, body positivity here, but he's a thick boy chasing <laughs> a rock cookie toe. So it was just too perfect. He just like definitely uh, embraced that part of himself. <laughs> Man, cause, cause like that, you have to embrace that funny side from the serious side and yeah. this one it was like just like you know what i'm coming back to who i am which is just a funny nerdy guy so just come back to me <laughs> no, it was awesome so tell me tell me the whole inspiration behind this whole album obviously you know the the formula is that you were naming it after different like flavors like red velvet oatmeal uh i think there was a track called snickerdoodle forgive me yep Yep, yeah. that's it. <laughs> Chocolate chip, uh, I mean, obviously, and then, like, you had confetti, uh, which you had your wife on. So, like, tell me about all this. Like, what, what was yeah. the whole inspiration? So, so, like, the whole inspiration really was me finally allowing myself to be free. So during COVID, um, I'll, I'll keep it 100. Like I lost everything during COVID. Like I went belly up business wise. You know, a lot of things went down the drain. A lot of things I had planned, you know, for like other events just cut. So I began to feel like I'm a failure. I screwed up my life, you know, and there's no hope for me. But as I've been just like starting to be more kinder to myself, you know, going back to things, things I learned under, under therapy, plus, <laughs> watching One Piece, which is a great anime. <laughs> it's a long, go Biden. <laughs> it's a long anime, but One Piece is definitely worth it. Yeah. Like, I, I found myself kind of like, you know what, dude, like, I'm actually good. And then, and then from there, just like really recognizing that, like, I put too much pressure on myself. Mm-hmm. So all this led me into learning about a, a theory called flow state. And what flow state is, it's about tapping into your constant creative potential and learning how to truly hone that energy. Because we all have it, especially yeah. especially as black people, we really have it the most. Mm-hmm. But it's realizing how we've always dormanted it and we shame it. So as I began to kind of learn about it and tap into it, I just like, you know, um, I had a beat case show, um, sorry, a beat, a beat show to do online mm-hmm. and, and it's with Two Days With The Sound and they gave me this whole like, you know, things that kind of flip around, you know, chop them up and flip. And as I was flipping around, I was like, you know what, let me just like play around with some hooks and some ideas I had. Mm-hmm. And I was just in my studio having fun and the first song I wrote was, was actually Snickerdoodle. Because uh, I, because I, I was just being like, you know, funny and romantic. That's just how I am, you know. And and you know, and, and plus, I guess I'll say it here, you know, I am polyamorous. You know, meaning that I love one of one people. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I want to make a song that's about just like love in general. Just like you can love who you want to love, how you want to love things, and it's okay to be nerdy and goofy about it. Yeah. So yeah. I wrote it since it's my wife, since I'm my other partner. They heard it and they're like, "You are crazy. You are funny. I love the record." <laughs> Because it just, it, it really debunks this, like, you know, always, like, you know, machismo or hypersexualized. It's just, you have a little snicky doodle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're just reminded, you tell just how much you, how beautiful it is just to love somebody. And yeah. it doesn't always have to be so serious or so mm-hmm. intense. You can just, like, laugh together. Like, if you can't laugh with the person who you love, 
then something's not right here. So, <laughs> this ain't no Twilight love here. This exactly. <laughs> like, I will kill myself and die. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold up. Hold up, man. Chill, man. Chill. Damn. Dude, 50 Shades Relax. chill the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> like, shit, bro. Like, ain't that serious. Like, please. <laughs> like, Sherman said, do you believe in life, life after love? Like, come on now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> No, like, it's so important to, yeah, like, just kind of going back to the whole COVID thing, and, like, you know, everybody's lifestyles, like, flipped, and I am, I feel for all my musician friends, all of my um, friends who go out to shows, like, you know, like, even my producer friends, like, promoters, anybody, like, it's just, it was a lifestyle that we all had, and then it's, like, bam, it's gone it's gone because we all want to be safe and we want to protect each other. But goddamn, oh. like it sucks because like, you're like, you're like, okay, first month you're like, okay, okay. I'm just chilling. And then the second month you're like, no, like this, this is like really affecting my finances here in the third month. Then you start to feel it with your emotions and you start to feel it with your mental health. So. Oh, definitely. And, and that's something that everybody is definitely going through, but every, of course, everybody manifests it in a different form in a different format. Mm-hmm. So. I'm glad that you're able to find a way to bounce back and like, you know, encompass that into more, into more funny <laughs> shit. Dude. Sorry, I can't stop fucking laughing because again, every time I hang out with you, it's always so much joy. It's always so much bullshit. Like you and yeah. Kid Go- you and Kid Goblin are like, <laughs> you guys are like my favorite two folks to hang out with when, you, when you're just doing some hood rat shit. It's like some, <laughs> Like some gamer boy hood rat shit, and it's the best hood rat shit in the world. You, uh, it, uh, honestly, it's because like, trust me, we can get depressing all we want to. That's oh, totally. that, that's that's super duper easy, and and it's just realizing that the power against oppression is is having that black joy, and and what I've been learning through this whole COVID experience is our true power is our joy and that's the and 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 i've learned that what we messed up is that we take that joy as false positivity we believe that we could be so spiritually minded or just like so oblivious to pain detach ourselves from reality and then we'll reach enlightenment nah bro it's like you're gonna feel the pain you're gonna feel the hurt yeah. and whatnot. but it's then be able to say like hey hit this shit you all right <laughs> <laughs> You know, and to yeah. us, like, you know, like, I was like, what do you mean? You're no, but it's it's actually saying, like, I hear you, I'm with you, we're in this together, man. Yeah. Just hit this, and and through exactly. therapy, and even the psychiatrist know that sometimes you just need some empathy, just like do something to take your mind off of it. So now, learning how to harness that, that's what me and you know, me and Kid Goblin do, me and the Philharmonic do, me mm-hmm. and uh, Matilda Wazim, whoever I'm with <laughs> you, you know, AO, you know, Mega Man, whoever I'm with. It's just like we can talk about some stuff we gotta deal with every single day, but it's like, yeah. let's just have some fun right now. <laughs> let's just have some fun. Let's have some fucking laughs. Mm. Um, yeah. So actually, let's uh, kind of go back to uh, just kind of the polyamory. So you. Yeah. Like I'm just gonna say this as very um, <clears throat> objective as possible. You're a black you're a black man who is polyamorous, mm-hmm. which is not to me in my perspective is not a common thing. I'm not unfamiliar to polyamory, but I'm I'm very unfamiliar to black men being polyamorous. So. And not only that, black men who are polyamorous are very more on the patriarchal side of polyamory, meaning right. it's only them and, and, and them, and they have two or three or multiple women. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the belief that if I could practice it, so can my partners. 
And yeah. that's and and that's because I, I believe like if I can love whoever I want to love, so can they. And right. and what that means is that from there we then discuss our boundaries, what we're comfortable with, what we're not mm-hmm. comfortable with, and we leave grace and room for mistakes and nuances. Mm-hmm. And it's our relationship, no one else's. And once we learn how to detach that from, wait a minute, they don't got to actually have opinion. This is what we can do. Oh, <laughs> well then shit. Okay, then cool. I'm great. So, and, and, and nor does it mean that like, I want to fuck everyone I see. No, bro. Like that's not the kind of guy that I am. You got me messed up. Like, <laughs> you, me, like you may look cute and all, but um, are you clean? You tested the Ronas? Like, come on now. <laughs> like, I don't know you like that. Like, mm, pause. Like, yeah, just pause. Let's get to know each other for a second before we start exactly. assuming what is possible here. Exactly. Like, yeah. Types. So, so, so no. yeah. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So, like, I guess, like, there's just, like, always, like, kind of, like, the typical, like you said, there is the patriarchal side of polyamory, which um, it's, like, a very unfortunate side, right? Like, there's oh, a dominant, yeah. yeah, there's a dominant figure that gets to do whatever they want. Meanwhile, the partners of that person don't exactly have the same amount of freedom. Yeah. Um, very glad to hear that obviously that you practice where everybody has an equal playing field here just as long as it doesn't cause you any issues in the long run yeah no issues no, no you know you're being safe you're communicating and of mm-hmm. course like sometimes you fuck up along the way it happens you can fuck up whether you're polyamorous or monogamous it just we're human beings we're complex we fuck up yeah and then <laughs> I, guess my, I guess my question is is like so you and uh, Matilda Wazim, like, you guys have been married for a long time. And so, oh. <laughs> it's all right. That's a bag now. Like. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. It's a mess with you. But, like, you know, <laughs> I felt like, oh, shit, do I have to cut something out? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, the, like, the reason why we don't talk about it publicly is because mm-hmm. what we've learned, like, prior to me being my own artist, while we used to work with Delphic and with Sapien, just seeing when people kind of get to know too much about your love life and who you're really with and whatnot, they start getting nosy and picky and want to, like, nitpick. And so we kind of, like, those who know, know. Those who don't know, don't know. And it's, it's cool. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But it's not everyone's business because it's our love life, not theirs. Right, right, right. I guess so, so, was, so that's all it is. Yeah, yeah, No, I, I think what I was trying to get at is, like, like finding the person that you married versus, like, the partners that you may get involved with. Like, yeah. Does that get in the way? Does that create any complications? Is Like, so what's... How's, how does that work out for you guys when, when you're, when you get caught in that convert, that type of conversation? <laughs> well, what it is, is that a lot of insecurity comes up and it's natural because folks may think that, you know, on my side, oh, she's going to hate me, whatever. No, because we don't date in the sense of a triad or trying to find a unicorn. We date in one of the terms of, which is that it's a wide dynamic, meaning that I have mine, she has hers. As things progress, we may know about when so it's partners in case of emergency situations, mm-hmm. but they, they have their relationship. I have my relationship and we're cool. But for some people, though, they do get kind of jealous or envious because it's like, well, I don't have to see you as often. And of course, now because of COVID and stuff, they get very insecure. Like, will you ever come see me? I'm like, well, I got to be safe. You got to be safe. But I need you to be secure in yourself. What people understand is that with polyamory is that you have to be secure first in yourself. A lot of people, a lot of folks see it as like... I get the free fuck pass. All right. Yay. <laughs> Not realizing that sex is only just part of polyamory because polyamory is about having a relationship. Now, if all you want to do is just go out and fucking, that's totally fine, but that's being non-monogamous. That's mm-hmm. a relationship. Do you? That's, I'm not against it, but mm-hmm. I'm all about the actual relationship with somebody. 
So that's what I want. So when it comes to growing things with other people, I always communicate, you know, with, you know, with my wife, my main partner, so she knows what's going on and vice versa. But we don't, but we do have boundaries in that, meaning that we don't, we don't talk about sex. That's what we do. We don't do, <laughs> nor do we validate our home where we live. So whatever we do outside, we do outside, whatever we have here, we have here. And that kind of boundary, it allows the world to exist in their own natural orbit and habitat. I honestly okay. believe that, that, that there's like this false idea that throw it all on the pot like ah mix it together like no that's disgusting that's like taking a bunch of different alcohol and then here drinking all <laughs> in one cup you're gonna get sick like you know what i mean actually yeah, yeah. allow things to take their natural courses meaning that as things progress if you know my partner my my wife want to get to know each other more that's their decision mm-hmm. if her boyfriend and me want to talk that's our decision but mm-hmm. we're not forcing nothing to happen we're allowed sure. to exist as they exist. And if we got jealousy, dude, we'll talk about it and we won't take offense to it. Like a great book I recommend to anybody who's interested in in this is Mm -hmm. the first one is called Ethical Slut. That book, Mm -hmm. my hands down, I know folks will get pissed at it, but it does give you a good idea about how to deal with conflict and jealousy when it comes to polyamory. Another one is called Love Does Not Colorblind, which is dealing with, you know, people of color in polyamory because sadly there is a lot of fetishism within mm-hmm. polyamory, especially towards black men and black women. Mm-hmm. A lot of that stuff. <laughs> so under, and, and, and then there's more books you can read about it too. But a lot of it still even then is trial and error, learning what works for you. You know, you're figuring out your lifestyle in this whole thing. So mm-hmm. you're going to make mistakes. You're going to have goods, ups and downs. But because of marrying somebody, there's still many things. The question you get ask yourself is that, is this somebody that I can ride or die with for the long term? Can we right. actually have these discussions and work through this stuff? And honestly, that's something that you gave me very, very picky on. You should be picky about that. You don't want to marry everybody. Like... <laughs> You know what I mean? Because yeah. like we believe that sex is love. No, sex is sex. Love is love. You can bring love to sex. You can bring sex to love, but they are not attached to each other. Mm-hmm. That's that is part of. And here's why I've been learning too. That's part of the white supremacy of it all to help shame you. Because why? If you're having sex, you then feel God hates me. I'm a horrible person. If you're in love, oh, it's wrong for me to want to have sex with someone who I love about. No, it's not. If you want to go do what you want to do, you are grown, okay? You own your own body, not no one else. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> and if you love somebody, you can love them without having sex. That's your, that's your choice. So we bring that to the equation. And once we understand what we bring to the equation, we own it. We control it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you? <laughs> no, that's no, this is very informative because like, like you said, like, or like I was trying to get at is like, there's always this um, misconception that polyamory is like, oh, I get to have as many partners as I want, get to have sex with whoever and these partners are disposable, which is like really fucked up. But I know that's, that's not ethical. That's not right. ethical. And, and that's why I said ethical slut. It's about ethical polyamory. Treating people like that is toxic. Mm-hmm. That is wrong for both men and women. Mm-hmm. It's like, cause like, cause what you're doing is that you're telling somebody, okay, your dick is good, your vagina's great, and and I'm done with you. Like, yeah. and this person may may catch feels, actually acknowledge your feelings and say, you know what, I just want to get my rocks off. I'm sorry if things got kind of personal, you know, and and just own it and be mindful of it next time. That's all. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And for that person, they're gonna hurt, they're gonna bleed out, but. Mm-hmm. You got to respect that. It happens. Sometimes feelings do get caught in sex. If someone blows your fucking back out, 
you're gonna catch feelings like 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 was uh like in that meme. I hate it here. It's just my soul. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Like what he was like. If you think sex should be whack, I question who you're having sex with. I really, really do. <laughs> if it's like, okay, are you done yet? You might want to change. I mean, it's like, it's like trying on shoes, right? Maybe the shoe doesn't fit. It's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> like that dog on the fire. It's okay. This is fine. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, and that's where like the beauty of polyamory is that you just have to learn how to take back your sexuality. You yeah. get to say what I like, what I don't like, what I want, what I don't want. And you're not doing it in the sense of like, oh, if I can't get from here, I'll go someplace else. That's even wrong too. Mm-hmm. You bring that energy with yourself. It's just mm-hmm. saying what you want and, al- and allowing folks to say what they don't want. Right. And, and you can then decide, okay, is this a deal breaker or not a deal breaker? Can I live without it with this person? Okay, I can. If you meet someone else who's into it, cool. But you never put a hierarchy between them it's just that this is how we get down this is how we get down i can do this over here i can do that over there am i mad i can't do it over here no because why i still enjoy this with the person i show what i'm grateful for i don't look at them or what they can't do for me i look at them about how they bless me and i give that Mm -hmm. in return Mm -hmm. that changes everything to where now yeah you're grateful for you're grateful for whoever's in your life yeah you think you take no for granted it's like i'm grateful for you i'm grateful for you be good <laughs> no i think and that's definitely how i think it should definitely should be yeah uh, yeah there shouldn't be any territorialism whatsoever there shouldn't be any sense of like i'm using this as a trophy to make myself feel better oh yeah how it should be how you nourish each other like you know that part that and, part speaking of nourishment and raw cookie dough <laughs> <laughs> No, um, this this is all good because because it's crazy <laughs> that that that's why I wrote the song Snickerdoodle. I really yeah. did. Snickerdoodle is really about just simply being grateful for somebody. Yeah. Like, ooh, baby, you're my Snickerdoodle. Yeah, yeah. I just want to sit and ride with you, vibe with you. Like, in other words, I'm just I'm enjoying you. Mm-hmm. To truly enjoy a, a Snickerdoodle cookie, you got yeah. you're, you're happy. You're like tastes so good. <laughs> you're not looking for anything more. You're just in the enjoyment of it. And that's not Some wrong. sugar and cinnamon, man. That's what snickerdoodles are. It's sweet. And, and you're happy. You're like, ooh, a yeah. little spice to it. I like this. <laughs> and, and it's simple. It's the most simplest cookie in the world. In other words, the love doesn't have to be, to be that complicated. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that complicated. It's simple. It's enjoyable. Have some. <laughs> <laughs> So I I also noticed with all, with everything in your album that you actually did keep it close to home too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you did have Matilda Wazim on here, and you yep. also had Kid Goblin. Those are like I feel like those folks are the closest to your heart, and of course uh, the Philharmonic. Yeah. And yep. then you can't have a nerdcore album without Mega Ran. So <laughs> hey, bro, that 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 right there, the big. Hum- <laughs> A big homie, it's all love and support for that guy. Like, you know, and, and me and him me and him have had a great friendship over the years. Yeah. Like it is beautiful because it's like I really do celebrate every win that he has. He celebrates the wins that I have, and we don't look for like anything extra beyond us. And if we need something, it's just like, what's up? Like this is what I need, this is what I'm not, da, da, yeah. da. And so that level of just like brotherly love, black brotherly love and black artist support. Yeah. is genuine and plus Mega Rand like he's a he's a very big heart dude like and mm-hmm. 
I just, I always like, when I see him do something dope, I'm like, yes, get it, Mega Man, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, we're all, we're all always over here cheering for him as he cheers for us. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's always feels like the, it's, it's always the feeling is mutual. Like, no, yeah. no weird cliche behind that or any stagnant feelings with that. It's truly like he's always cheering for us. Yep. Um, but no, that like. no i really enjoyed i really enjoyed this album a lot like especially with um like i said like the funny storytelling when you had oatmeal raisins in here (laughs) like i i again just because i know you and kid goblin like i think the thing i think the thing that cracked me up was the person in the background calling them you old you nasty and crusty like it it was just too funny it's like no come over here i want to talk to you it's like uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. so it's like the <laughs> guys again i'm really emphasizing how comedic this whole album is like i know, <laughs> I know it's about cookies and sweets but it's so important and then at the beginning you just hear somebody huffing and puffing run into the thing <laughs> and saying like 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 they have a freaking itch or something being like i need it i need it now so, sorry, I just keep going back to this because it's just so no, good, my dude. No, no it, it, and, and that's what I want because, like, that's like I said, like, so early before the podcast, you're talking about Clubhouse. And for those who are just now getting on oh, to yeah, yeah, yeah. and I'll tell folks right now, if you get the invite to Clubhouse, shut the fuck up and just be the fly on the wall. Fuck your clout. Taken all the game because the reason why I wrote oatmeal cookies was because as an artist coming up in this game and things I've seen and been a part of, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there are people who are really like that character. <laughs> hey there, like they are really <laughs> you this false spirituality, this false sense of I know the industry inside now, and, and it comes from all different levels in the game mm-hmm. because there actually is a hierarchy in the music industry. There really is from the admin side to the artistry side and so and the, and the problem that we have in it is that there's a sick horrible cycle of killing creative black artists and forcing them into these horrible boxes of that black is either ghetto black is either being a hoe black is either being a drug dealer like you cannot just be black an artist you yeah. have to fit a certain type of thing so and they also use a lot of spirituality behind it so that whole skit was like finally realized like wait a minute i'm good in my art I'm going to yeah. be weird in my art. So you want to live to this old style of doing things disguised as chocolate chip cookies. Because as kids, right, we think, oh, oh take a bite. This is oatmeal. It has raisins. <laughs> and that happens to so many different artists. We get sold oatmeal raisins cookies, and we think that they're chocolate chip cookies. So I'm saying no more. No more. Y'all are disgusting. You old and crusty and dusty and old. You ain't really about the times. You haters. Leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what actually a story that kind of reminds me of that a little bit and this hmm. is kind of more on like the pop culture side of things is like Megan the Stallion like her trying to like you know peel herself off of her old record label and then finally she got into a new record label because that old one was like well you have to stay here like we have your music we have your rights and she goes um nah <laughs> and so and then when she was like going through all the stuff about like the legal side of it of like okay what do I need to do to get out of this like she signed those things when she was young I think she was like 22 or something to that effect and she's uh, like i was young i didn't know what i was doing i just really wanted a piece of that cake cookie in this case and then she realized like oh there's actually more um implications in the now now that i'm trying to get now i'm trying to swap out so like what would you i mean 
I feel like a lot of us have to kind of figure this out the hard way, right? Like, I mean, when we're young. Ah, see, see, see now, that's part of the system. Mm -hmm. That's part of white supremacy. The mm -hmm. belief that you have to find out the hard way. Go have on. You, okay, so this, yeah, it, it's crazy as you realize, even when talking about it, I'm not speaking about it from a place of hate, okay? Sure, I don't sure. hate white people. And the words of white folks, my best friend's white. So. <laughs> uh, <you> <laughs> my best friend's white. Leave you know, it's okay. <laughs> so what I'm saying is that it's all a game from my control and energy. Okay, so if they tell you at a young age, you have to work twice as hard, you got to live a certain kind of lifestyle in order to make it, what are you going to do naturally? Self-sabotage. And the moment someone gives you something, you're so eager and hungry, you're not going to read nothing. There's an old industry uh, um, business, business, business saying that, which is that you want to hide a secret, put it in writing. Mm -hmm. Black people already. Stats are out there for education, black children coming up, right? They are the lowest in, in literacy, mathematics, and also, um, what is it, uh, in, in uh, uh, different other areas of cognitive too as well, and reading. So if all these stats are against us, right, but yet we excel in entertainment and sports, but we don't emphasize the importance of reading and math, Oh man, you're going viral. You're dope. Cool. We're gonna give you an X amount of money. Just sign this. We'll take care of everything else for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Hey, don't worry. We family. I got you. <laughs> These kids don't really have family as is. These kids are young. What like you said? I'm young, dumb. I don't know what I'm doing. And so you're. Well, play. like I said, like you see, you see that you see the nice like plate of cake, and you're like, I need a piece of that right now. How do I get a piece of that? You know, and like, we're going to- Just for a taste. And like for any, any of us, right? We're going to try to find the easiest route in that moment, no matter how hard we've worked, no matter how foundation, foundationally we've built ourselves. If we see an easy route, we're going to try and take it. You know what I because, mean? Because we're taught the easy route. Right, exactly. We're taught the easy And we taught the easy route and we shun hard work. Mm -hmm. It's the avoidance of pain, but the glorious illusion- a pleasure mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's what we're taught um a great scene remember the titans remember when denzel got on that one coach's head why is it every time i deal with these boys you want to soften my touch mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what happened here is that the moment we get that soft touch we're not taught to wait a minute hold up now what are you really giving me you see what i'm saying we're not taught to be a little bit skeptical about it okay all right, I, I see you. What's the contract? Let me read it. Go back and get back to you. What are we then met with then? Oh, you ain't grateful. Hurry up to sign already. No, I'll exactly. find somebody else. Now we get the anxiety and scared that we got to hop on it now. So, and later on, as we begin to grow, then they say, well, well, hey, now, remember that deal we made? Yeah, you still part of us. And that's where now, now like, here's the hardest thing, Okay. The hard thing is that artists need to be accountable for their actions, meaning that take the L. You know what? You're right. I didn't read. I didn't go over it. So don't get down your arrogance and like, so what? I didn't read. No, admit that, you know, what? I didn't read. That way you can learn the lesson because if you think it's bad on this level, mm -hmm. it's going to get even worse on bigger levels because why? Contracts are written for interpretation. If you cannot interpret law, mm -hmm. then you're going to be messed up. Mm -hmm. 
and not realizing that your name and the, the keyword perpetuity and the universal likeness and the ability to use your name throughout the universe, which are actually words in the contracts. You can, right. If you can't read that or understand it, you sign. And then what happens? We say all the time the cartoons. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, exactly. You sign the contract. Because you didn't read it. You only saw what you wanted to see. Yeah. And, that's, and that's the hard thing that as artists, we got to teach other artists to realize, own what you do. I'm not saying you're a bad person, but own it, learn from it so you don't do it again. Because if you think that won't happen to you again, any person who's wealthy knows it happens again and again and again. Because why? It's a game. It's a, it's a chess move. And chess, they call it a poison trap. Meaning that they intentionally set the trap for you to what you fall into it. Then what happens? Check and then checkmate. Yep. It's yep. all a game. It's yeah, all no. A game. <laughs> it's, it's, no, this is very true. Exactly. Like I and like I said, that's why I was saying like the hard way, because like you have to take accountability if mistakes are made. It's sometimes it's even hard too, like even those who we know that work very hard and we, we want to give them that kind of like that, that solicitive advice saying like, hey man, you should yeah. really thoroughly look at that. But sometimes like, doesn't matter how many times we try to warn our friends, sometimes it will hit us. Um, but yeah, but, but that's true. everybody. But. Yeah, but, but, also true, but, but that's why I said at the same time, it's not though, because yeah. we, got, we got to break that idea that we have to suffer. We do not have to suffer. Suffering is not learning. Suffering right. is trauma. There's a difference there. Suffering is trauma. Learning should not be connected to trauma or suffering. Exactly. And that's the sad thing that we are taught as black people. You have to suffer in order to learn. No, you don't. When a warrior was, goes off to train or was on a pilgrimage, during that lesson, they would have what? Adversities, difficulties, hardships. But it's not intentionally meant for you what? To suffer. It's what to make you build character. Mm -hmm. That's a whole different mindset. So we have this horrible idea that I'm black. I have to suffer. I have to be like, go through all this with rough, horrible things. No, you don't. That's the system at work, baby. That's the system at work. I want for poor child. That's what, what you know, you know, you know, actually, you know what? forgive me. Not maybe not child, my young king, my young queen. That's, that's the system at work. So you got to learn how to what? Overcome the system. It's mm -hmm. going to be hard because why? It's multifaceted in different, different ways. That's why I made this album too, as well, because I had to realize was that I watched Buster Rhymes they gave a wonderful four-hour lecture on drink champs with uh, uh with noriega and he broke down how in all of his music he has his club records but he also has records that have a message behind it he had to learn how to package the two worlds together mm -hmm. because if he just did it straight out the music industry will catch black people trying to be too woke Yep. And what do they do? They try to like downplay them and really, you know, push them to the bottom. So you got to learn how to mix them up together. So I have, so for me, I was like, you know what, how can I do that as a nerdy artist? Because if I go straight into it, Oh, you're, you're, you, you hate white people. You, you're not a real nerd. If I go too nerdy with it, he's just being comical and too, too left field. He doesn't know nothing serious. But if I find that sweet spot, Oh, mm -hmm. uh, he's being funny, but wait a minute. He's saying some real stuff in here. Yeah. You're making me think a little bit, but at the same time, it's a hit though. I'm, I'm vibing with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so it, it, it took time to learn that because for a while, like even as an artist, I believe that no, I gotta say true to the message. I don't, I gotta be a nerd, bro. Be both. Why you can not? Be both. You can be informative. Like, 
nerdcore artists or even nerdy artists there it's not just like always fun and games there's always going to be some underlying message and that's why we realize you know what samus does that a lot in her music samus is oh, totally really pieces in space oh i love that song pieces in space for I so love good. that. I love that song, dude. And so, and and, and then was a, it was a song that Megaran did, um, Splash Woman. That song's yeah. actually about a girl that he loved, but he made it like, you know, back when he was a kid and turned it into, like, to a video game reference. I was like, the, okay, I'm seeing it now. There's ways of how I can do it and make my niche into it. Mm-hmm. So. No, that's perfect. No, you're, again, like, this was great because I wasn't gonna, I mean, obviously, like, if I'm, you know, if I'm listening to Sticker Dude, I'm like, that's cute. <laughs> and then if i see the one like you know and i think it's just because i know you guys like it's just like if i saw the one with you and matilda in it i'm like mm-hmm. that's also adorable <laughs> that's cute and i'm like of course king goblin's in here of <laughs> uh, but and, you know i wouldn't have not put those two messages together about like you know when you bite into a little raisins you're like Ugh. you know maybe that's not something that was so good or like you know talking about the you know just polyamory and like how love love should be there for for across all not just like for dominance and so this was like this is really sweet and of course like you know the bakery's closed was that actually your dad yeah that was my dad Dude, how's my dad? You got your dad on the album. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> so, um, so I told him I was like, Dad, I was like, okay, I'm finishing my album, but I wanted to like have a scene to where I'm closing with the bakery, but it's us talking about just basically him seeing my rise as an artist because my dad seen me go through like rises and falls, like even through my education, like. I am I am a college dropout, not by choice. You know, like the whole like 2008 like bankruptcy year hit me the hardest while I was going for my education. So I had to focus on working more full time. Then the ups and downs I went through as an artist. You know, me having like two years of like severe depression. That's the reason why I've been so I've been quiet for so long. You know, and battling that, and to finally come to a place to where it's like I love myself. I see that everything I went through was part of my journey, not to make me suffer, but to make me stronger, to know how to, you know, like I told you earlier, how to sell the seeds of fuckery. Like you're gonna, you're gonna have to sell these of fuckery, you know, and, and this very complex for every single person. And what I go through is different from what someone else goes through. And I had to learn how to take ownership of what I'm dealing with, not in the mind of a survivalist or one of a victim, but one as a warrior. And mm-hmm. now that too is that as a peaceful warrior, a warrior's lifestyle doesn't mean that I'm out here looking for a fight. No, it means that if a fight comes to me, I know how to defend myself and protect mm-hmm. myself, both physically, mentally, financially, in all different ways of front. That's mm-hmm. not being taught as much. And so I'm grateful my dad taught me all these things because when I turn 18, you're a man now in this world, you mm-hmm. now got to learn these lessons. And these lessons are not anything you learn in one year. I'm 35. <laughs> yeah. I'm 35. First, I was thinking, like, oh, how are you, 25? You're 28? Like, my students are looking at me sometimes. They're like, oh, Mr. Where are you? Like, you're like, what, 27? I'm oh. like, you're so nice. <laughs> my kids are so nice to me. <laughs> They're like, big oof. Um, actually. <laughs> like, oof. <laughs> but that's because, like, I've always fought to maintain myself. 
it's been yeah. it hasn't been easy because like there's times where I, where I felt like you know what I'm too old I should just hang up and just retire you know what I mean stop rapping just let, let you know let the kids do it but no I'm never done because I'm always a student in this game I'm always yeah. still learning and the mastery doesn't quit um, prior to COVID I had the luxury of going after, going to going to China yeah I and remember that. Yeah, you know, and and so I was out there. I actually spent I actually spent, spent almost like a whole day with a kung fu master, and the biggest thing he taught me was that kung fu is horribly misunderstood over here in the West. We see martial arts as self defense. That is wrong. Martial arts is about self mastery. Mm-hmm. When you master yourself, you can be what both offensive and defensive. Mm-hmm. But if you're only in self defense, you're always what hyper vigilant. You're scared. But when you have full control, you don't sweat nothing. And he told me that Kung Fu even means mastery of time, not fighting, mm-hmm. not, not discipline. It's mastery of time. <laughs> not your Bruce Lee thing. <laughs> like, Whoa! like none of that. It's none of that really. And, yeah. and, he, and, and he taught me too. Cause like, you know, cause a guy, he grew up, um, I forget the name of the city in China, but um, he grew up in, in his town and it was actually a heavy martial arts town, heavy martial arts town. Mm-hmm. So he determined as a kid, so he moved to Beijing to get into more pro tournaments. So he would, but he needed to find a trainer to get him in. So he found this one Taiji master and he was like, you know, I heard you're the best in town. I want to fight you like to prove my earn or my worth. Oh my the, guy looked, the, guy, the guy looked at him. He was like, okay. And so when they fought, he got mopped. Mind you, I'm looking, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the guy, I'm like, dude, you hella dope. He's like, thank you, but <laughs> this guy was way better. And as he stood there for the guy who's breathing, he was like, bro, like, how'd you do that? I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> and the guy was like, you fought to win. I fought to have fun. And okay, I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah, I hate it here. <laughs> because... And, and then we told me he's at like, and then when he said, when then we sat with the guy for two years, he went back to learning how to control his own breathing and how to control his own energy flow. And he said that it took him two years just to master that before he started learning the actual techniques and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so this is like back in 2018, right? And now it's 2020 for me. So for about almost two years for me, I've been like just chewing on that concept, right? right. All throughout this whole entire time and just like learning and reading books. And then when I was making this album, it hit me. And then even beyond Clubhouse, and we talked about earlier about imposter syndrome, that mastery really is about controlling your own chakras, your own energy. When you exactly. do that, you can walk into any given place and control the field. We're taught to what? Never be in tune with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We are distracted every single way possible through social media, through drama, through politics, through other means in the system to oppress us way us down. This idea of success that we must maintain, where do we ever have time for us? Right. Exactly. We don't have any time for us. We can't even love ourselves. We can love somebody else. But when we say, I hate me, but I love you, that's horrible. That's wrong. You should love you and love them. So, yeah, that's something that I've actually been trying to get across to a lot of my friends about just, like, relationships and love and just this whole misconception about love. Like, I, like I know mine is a little bit more on, again, I'm going to say pop culture side. But, <laughs> uh, but no, I had a huge, huge revelation with, um, you know, listening to Lizzo's early music mm. with 
how she has had to take the time to really find herself and build her foundation and recalibrate and real and re and redefine what love really means and and that and it doesn't mean you have to be with a partner it doesn't necessarily mean like you have to like you know what's the re re um what's the word i'm looking for ah well basically what i'm trying to say is like love should be something that is prioritized for you and so that way you build yourself first yes yes oh man that is something that we're not taught period Mm -hmm. we're taught to what be selfless sacrifice yourself from somebody else that is the biggest lie ever told i believe it my partners have believed it in the past even friends I know, even who are monogamous, they used to believe that stuff. Oh, we you all know? used to believe it, right? Like, we were all trapped in it, because that's what we were fed. There's a was, I remember um, I was watching on time on Instagram, this old couple. They mm-hmm. asked them, they're like, you haven't married for how long? What's the secret to your marriage? They looked at each other, and they laughed, and they said, it's nobody's goddamn business. <laughs> and, the, yes. and, the person, and the person was like, what the heck? But then they hit me. It was like, what she's saying is that you got to live your love for yourself. Mm-hmm. You can't live it for Instagram. You can't live it for your family. You can't live it for society. Your love is your love. Mm-hmm. And once you yeah. understand that your love is your love, you got to then give yourself that love. Right. Because if you're not giving yourself that love, if the person who you're loving, if they leave you, that's why we have heartbreak. We're yeah. giving our heart to people when we shouldn't be. No. Mm-hmm. They bask in the presence of your heart. They appreciate your heart. So what do they actually want to do? Nourish your heart. They don't want your heart. They just nourish it. They enjoy it. They appreciate it and let you have it and vice versa. And in doing so, now the love isn't stagnant. Now you don't feel feel so insecure. Mm -hmm. That's why you know whether you're monogamous or polyamorous, whether you're gay, lesbian, bi, trans, asexual or not, whatever it is, I'm good no matter what happens to me. And that's why I wrote the song Red Velvet. Red Velvet was really about me learning, wait a minute, hold up. I'm top shelf. I'm dope. You yeah. think that, that you are entitled to my energy and my resources and my income? <laughs> we, got some, we got some issues here because I choose to give what I want to give. I do that. Now, don't get me wrong. It's okay to ask. It's okay to ask. Mm-hmm. Especially if you love somebody. Feel free to ask. I'm allowed to say no. Say no. But never take it as you're trying to get over on me. Not everyone's like that, my guy. Like, yeah, chill, not right? everyone's like that. Everyone seems to chill out. Chill out. <laughs> Give room for nuances of communication. But trust me, if someone says, I want a reimbursement for my time, I've heard those words from people. That, that whole like, baby, I just want some time for you and get a reimbursement for my time, my dude. Like, mm-hmm. you're like wait a minute, hold on. So basically, you a hoe. <laughs> you are how you get paid. I'm not against sex workers. Do you get your money? But that's not what I want, nor is it what I desire from you. So hell no. Nah. <laughs> Live your best life. That's just not with me. <laughs> Jesus. Hey guys, we advocate sex work here on this podcast. <laughs> If you got on Pornhub OnlyFans, I salute you. Get, get it. your bag. Get the bag, how you want to mean it. Now, here's another thing too as well. It doesn't mean I will support your bag. Just know that I do support you from a distance, all right? There you go. <laughs> well, I guess what you're trying to say is like you just, you, you're not interested in being a client. 
Yeah, I'm not interested. I don't want to. Yeah. You know, and, and that's my right. Like, there's, there's, there's a horrible thing in society to where it's like, if you don't give monetary, you know, into my, what I'm doing, then you're a hater. You don't love me. No, that's not the case. There's a lot of things on my plate that I have to sift through just like you. And yeah. if I don't get to it right away, don't be offended by it. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It comes around. We've yeah. been to, we've been to it for how long? And I'm, and I'm now finally doing the podcast. I ain't mad. Shoot. I'm proud of you. V seriously. Like your podcast is hella dope. Go do you because by you doing you, me doing me, now we have a dope ass, now you're having a dope ass podcast. See? Yeah. <laughs> and if I'm angry about it, then that, what? That's, that makes you feel bad. I'm angry for no goddamn reason. And now we got beef for nothing. Man, get over, grow over that stuff. You go be great. I'll go be great when we'll meet up someplace down the road. Yeah, no. And, and I think it's, I mean, luckily enough, I think we have pretty good communication too. Like, so if anything were to happen down the line, it's like, okay, first I'll get like, you know, if anything happens, I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, okay, let me think about this. Now let me go communicate. (laughs) Well, uh, uh, there's a great book I read and I know folks don't like him as much and and I'm I'm seeing why I don't like him. I don't like reading. I'm just joking. (laughs) (laughs) There's always audible. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, we got me. <laughs> um, Malcolm Gladwell. I personally, I love Malcolm Gladwell. I feel that he's highly misunderstood, especially his recent book right now called Talking with Strangers. Okay. That book is very controversial because what, it, what he's talking about is a horrible miscommunication between us as humans. Yeah. We do not understand each other. And he broke it down showing some very prolific, horrific cases. And his whole main premise is around why did Sandra Bland die? And as he breaks the system down and how we're taught to misconstrue things, we have a lot of false preemptive assumptions that because they're a police officer, they should understand. Because they're a civilian, they should understand. We don't account for any of the nuances. None of them. This is not excusing behavior. It's understanding behavior. And that's what folks make, 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 make a horrible subject about Malcolm Gladwell. I think he's like saying, oh, because like he talks about the whole Brock Turner case, right? Yeah. They're thinking that he's like, oh, he's saying he's innocent. He says even in the Audible book, you don't want to read, which is great as a podcast, right? <laughs> he says really knowing an enemy right now. <laughs> but he said in the book, he's like, he's like, I'm not condoning what he did. I'm looking at the science of why did he think the way he does? And why did and why did this girl what how did she end up in this predicament? Because we don't really go back and retrace our steps. I and, and what hit me with this even more is that um this wonderful show on Netflix, The Queen Gambit. I love that show because I love chess. And one thing the character Elizabeth does is that she always replays her matches. In the beginning, the girls was like, this girl's like, you know, I, you know, when she first learned, she kept, she kept getting beat. So she just started laying up in her bed at night because they believe giving kids, orphan kids, tranquilizers was high as all hell, but would replay the chess game in front of her. And because she's kept doing that, she began to recount her moves and her steps to see what she did wrong. And even when she met a new opponent, she would replay the game. Mm-hmm. I say this is because when we start to go back and replay certain scenarios, mm-hmm. we start seeing, oh, shoot, this is where we missed this step. This is why this happened. And when we're going through it, it's important to look at it not in the sense of like, she's a bad woman. She No, she didn't know. She was right. A young college girl turned up with the homies, wanted to go out and party, got 
too drunk, and this boy misunderstood the signs, became a predator, was horribly out of pocket, took him behind a dumpster, and guys, you know, got chased off, but then tried to like, I'm just an innocent young young white boy. Nah, bro, you messed up. Mm-hmm. You thought she was sober. She's intoxicated. You were never taught nor told if a girl cannot think for herself, you leave her ass alone. Because why? As a young white boy, is he ever told no? Is he ever told what he can and cannot do? So when he's so, for him, he feels what? I'm entitled to. Yep. Yep. So when you understand it, he's not justified. It's realized that you got to understand who your opponent is, what you're dealing with. And in our culture, we're taught to what? Assume everyone should just know. Folks don't know. I don't care how smart they are, how many degrees they are. And that's why, you know, even I teach my, you know, you know, my young girls, in my classes, even as artists, do not assume any man will ever respect you. You have to keep your guard up. At all times. And then, then if they do show you respect, you can then ease back. But you have to be aware. As, as, as young black men and women, what our parents give us that talk, right? Be careful around strangers. We deal with police. This is how you engage. Why? We're taught how to survive. Right. We're taught how to move in the game board. If you're not taught that thing, if you're taught it's all lovey-dovey, kumbaya, what can happen to you? You're now prey. You can now fall victim. Mm-hmm. Then again, this is not to shame anybody. It's just right. understanding the game. Yeah. This is a game of a survival you're dealing with. It's not that you can take play lightly. For example, right? If you're playing um, Devil May Cry, right? Mm-hmm. You get before you get in the game, it's one big long dungeon. If you don't take your adversary serious, you'll die in the game, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. So we think, oh, it's just a game, live and die, whatever. Then was it the show Alice in Borderline, right? That, to me, is a great serious example of it. If you don't understand the game you're playing, they'll set you up to either kill yourself or manipulate your heart for betrayal. Yeah. No, that's very true, dude. And so, and so that whole book was about breaking down how translation is one of the, is one, is one of the games they play to where we misread, we, we misunderstand, something happens, we can't believe it, we second-guess it, don't know how to deal with it, and it gets worse and worse from there. So yeah. how, I think my question is, like, how would this book, I guess, is not something I actually have to listen to. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really uh, good. But, <laughs> as a lie, there's, there's times where I had to pause and cry because I'm like, God damn, this is, this is too much. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this is heavy. This is so, heavy. So I guess, like, you know, what's interesting about all these points is, like, pe- when we make the assumption that people should know, right, I think from a cultural aspect, we've been taught that people should know better right? Which kind of goes into people should know. Um, and I actually deal with that a lot now, like as my challenge of, of myself with sometimes even with my friends or my colleagues or even like my coworkers is like, I think when, when something happens like in a meeting or something happens in like an official like organized space that after, the, after we're done talking, it's like we should know what to do. But really, it, I would say 50% is what we know how to do. And then the other 50% was reliant on reminders and reliant on like, you know, reassurance and remind and just like, you know, just picking up to make sure like, Hey, you know, right. Do you know? And like, sometimes it doesn't matter how hard you think you're be, or how straightforward you're being at the beginning. Sometimes it's just having to reinforce that information. Yeah. We talk about consent, right. But we don't really follow through with consent. Yeah. Check this out. Now, this is something that blew my mind recently. So um, I've been working with the artist Raja, 
He's a dope, right. dope, dope artist from you know from San Francisco, um, and um, and his family came over from India, and so 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 he's an Indian American, right? And I asked him in the studio because we're talking about Black history and, 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 and Indian history, and so I was like, bro, I was like, can you serious question? He's like, what? I was like, what does a head nod mean? And he started laughing, and I was like, no, dude, I was like, seriously, I was like, I was like, I always see it, but I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, and he realized that he was being sincere. And he's like, you know what? I'll tell you what that means. He's like, what it means actually is it's, it's a form of acknowledgement without giving a concrete answer of yes. In Indian culture, it is rude to overspeak somebody and it's rude to just agree blindly. So when they give the head nod, it's acknowledgement without agreeing. And then, he said, and then I was like, wait a minute. So when we head nod, right? We're naturally agreeing to things, but if we're not conscious of what we're agreeing to, we're giving false affirmation to things. So I say all that is because naturally what? We agree to stuff without knowing what we're agreeing to. We are signing the contract without reading the fine print. Mm-hmm. Now, culturally, and I said now, culturally for black folks, we can agree and not, but we don't take it seriously without verbal consent. That's a cultural difference. Yeah. And then what happens? We they assume we should know. We assume they should know. Never once do we ask, do you agree? Do you confirm? Do I have consent? We assume. <laughs> I was I mean, like, I was like, <laughs> no, and, and this is very no, this is very, very good because yeah, yeah like I, I have like, you know, especially moving into the Bay Area back in like 2010, like I have met with like Indian Americans or even like those who are from India and mm-hmm. just moved to America. And I did see the head nod a lot. And like in black in black culture that translate, what the hell is that head nod? Like, you know, <laughs> like we we're just like, why do you have attitude? Because like because the, the head shake is like an attitude gesture. Because we see this like it's like what? Because to us, this is like aggressiveness. Yeah. But to them, it's like, no, okay, you acknowledge me. Cool. What's that's what's up? And so it's it, it, <laughs> <laughs> No, I, like, I definitely learned. I definitely learned that's what it was because, like, I remember being in the office with another girl. I'm like, "Why do they shake their head like that?" And then she and she face palms. She goes, "No, B. That actually means that they're hearing what we're saying." <laughs> it's acknowledgement, and so and, and so it's like as I've been to learn these things, it's like I'm realizing as I get older that a, a lot of our aggression, a lot of our hurt comes from lack of understanding, lack of lack of being able to translate, right. and lack of just knowing what's going on, like. There's a wonderful, uh, her name is uh, Dr. Uh, Welsing. She wrote um, a book called The ISIS Papers, and she's been giving, you know, may she rest in peace, but for her mission was to talk about systematic white supremacy. And one of her key points was that black folks, we always say, what's up, what's up, what's up, because we never know what's going on. Mm-hmm. We don't say, how are you? We don't say, hey, man, good to see you again. You know what I mean? We always say, what's up? Because as a people, we're always left in the dark. Yeah. We don't know what's going on in the world. We don't, we all, and then on top of that, because of how much we deal with, we want to let go and release. But mm-hmm. the thing we got to learn to do is how to, we got to learn how to be present through it all. Right. And yes, it is hard because out of mm-hmm. all of the cultures and ethnicities, we got over 10 million letters of bullshit to get to just being present. Right. Like, like, we, and this is not like the whole, like, who has a bad game? No, it's just understanding what we're dealing with. You're dealing with a group of people 
who did not come here by choice, who've had their culture erased from them, who've been taught to hate themselves, who are taught to humiliate each other, especially black women, tear them down. Mm-hmm. So if we're taught to always fight each other on a chessboard, how can we come together to end white supremacy? Yeah. We can't even get along. Like, yeah. we can't even talk about what black homophobia. Black homophobia is a thing. Black, <laughs> black emotional vulnerability is also a thing. Like, which I actually want to get into. Like, yeah. you, I, there's, so I want to shout out one rap artist real quick before we get it back to you. I want to shout out T. Call real quick. T. Call from Arizona. I love T. Call. That's a homie. T. Call, after every post, like, I remember he said something really ignorant a year ago about women. (laughs) And I just did the biggest facepalm because I'm like, (laughs) and then someone actually posted, I can't remember who it was. They're like, hey, man, you should really take that down. That's not going to age well or whatever that they said. But since that post, like his posts, I can see a sense of growth of perspective. And then it started to go, now he's posting a lot about being a black man and how to be emotionally vulnerable without being shamed for it. And like, I've noticed that he's been posting these a lot more lately. And I'm like, dude, this is great because we need more of that, especially from black men and for them to own their feelings and say like, hey, we feel a certain type of way. We shouldn't have to feel like we... We need to hide it because we're either going to be called gay or a fag or, you know, a bitch, like, you know, or a little pussy shit. Like, we should be able to express ourselves. So, like, you, on the other hand, you've been expressing yourself the whole goddamn time. Like, I have <laughs> You're like, sometimes you're like, uh, I don't want to be on social media anymore and you'll disappear for a second. I'm like, okay, he's sad right now. We get it. <laughs> then you'll come back, but, or you'll say something very enlightening, like, hey, I really, you said something recently. Let me actually look it up real quick. But <laughs> no, seriously, like you, you will talk about how, um, you're like, man, I'm really getting the hang of it. And you're like, I'm really starting to really be into like having a better and building a better introspective for yourself. I just want to make sure I quote you properly so that I'm not just like beating <laughs> out the bush because obviously I'm a goldfish. There we go. It's all good. It's all good. It's all so good. you said, like even what you said earlier, you said from self-love to self-mastery, while a lot of things are making sense around me, this is really nothing more than a game. And, you know, just, that's just one example of like all the little tidbits that you'll post to show that like you are forever growing and building yourself as a person. So can you talk about that and how can we, how can we uplift our black men to Mm. get more on that level? That right there. Well, we we, we got time, so we good. I know. (laughs) Man, because and because and, what's crazy is that what you're saying, everything is dead right. Even where Teak was two years ago. Let me explain. There has to and was I remember I was watching on Breakfast Club. I forget the, the brother's name. He's a very profound black speaker. I think it's Michael something. But he's talked about how with cancel culture, we have erased the nuances of conversation. And what happens is that when, if anyone's ever took a speech and debate, it's about being able to give your argument, allowing yourself to be wrong, but also knowing how to counter the argument. But you got to make sure you can counter it to what? To persuade the other side. So you have to come up with facts and reason. Mm -hmm. 
We have gotten rid of all that because what do we now lean upon? Only my opinion. We don't go read. We don't do our research. Even if your fact may be wrong, at least you'll still have some credential points. For example, Ben Shapiro. We may not like him, but the guy does his homework. It may be skewed, but he does his homework. So if he's doing his homework to build his argument, are you doing your homework to build your argument? The problem as black men is that we have not been doing our homework. In other words, we don't understand black women. We don't understand women in general. So what is our reference point from pain and trauma and suffering? If someone's coming from a place of pain and trauma and suffering, their vision's already skewed. Mm-hmm. They can't even think about what really is going on on the other side, nor can they be empathetic to what's it sometimes like, you know what? Women fuck up too. Oh my gosh. Let the balloons let go. Hey, oh no, someone's going to set my Oh my God. <laughs> no, he, he, he hates women. I didn't say that. <laughs> women are human. You are human, right? You're not, you know, it don't get me wrong. Like in the whole, like, is she, is, all women are queens. If she breathes, she's a thought. No, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> as funny as that sounds, she's only human. Give her grace. Give her, the, give her the ability to fuck up and to learn from it. It doesn't mean we justify or pacify her behavior, but she shouldn't be demonized and scrutinized and torn down. Did you fully understand who she is, what she's dealing with, or were you so caught up in that WAP that you forgot what you were dealing with? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and for many guys, seven <laughs> days a week, that did up for us, ain't. I was going to say, there's a bucket and a mop and go clean up your mess over there. Exactly. Like, we just, we, so you just, in your feels, you're mad and you're hurt because how she broke your heart. That means that what? You never learned how to deal with you as a man. You never learned how to love yourself as a man. You never learned how to deal with yourself after a breakup, even a bad breakup, because they do happen. Some women can be toxic, just as some men can be toxic. Yeah. Toxicity is gender neutral. There are toxic men, toxic women. Get over it. It's learning how to deal with it as part of the game. Mm-hmm. That's fair. People have not played dating simulators and it shows. <laughs> That's the beauty of marriage. You learn this stuff. <laughs> and yes, it hurts. Okay. Heartbreak hurts. Having your heart broken, it sucks. But don't go on social media dogging black women. See, that's the one thing we got to stop doing. Stop tearing each other down. That has to end. Now, you could talk amongst your friends and find closed doors. That's fun. You're what? That is a way. That's how we as black people, that's how we heal. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I say this a lot of the times, like, I, I actually have a friend who just went through, like, a really rough breakup, um, and that, and she's fine, but he's not, and I straight up told her, I'm like, dude, this guy needs to find a circle of friends where he just needs to let loose and talk some shit, yeah. and, and I'm like, and I said it not because I think you're a terrible person, no. but he needs to let that energy out so then that way it can be rerouted into a healthy means of rebuilding himself like and it's true because don't get me wrong we're all guilty of talking shit (laughs) 
we're all guilty of talking shit, but we also have I've done mine. <laughs> I've done mine. But also with from talking shit, then you stop and then when you're done and you're all alone and sometimes you might be just in your underwear after a shower, you're like, Man, maybe I shouldn't have said that. And then that's where you start to, to regrow. See you, the problems the problem we have, V is this. We don't talk shit, we tweet shit. Yeah, and then there is a lot of tweeting shit, unfortunately. And and, and because we tweet shit. What happens? Like, you just do it with me. Let me go back to the receipts and screenshot this. <laughs> and then we're like, ooh. You know, like, ooh. <laughs> Listen, this could be a whole different episode, but I actually wanted to talk about, like, at some point, not, not today, because we'll, we'll go to literally midnight with this episode, but um, how old tweets or old posts, how do, you, how do you admit, like, or not even how, like, admitting accountability for the old shit that you used to say. Being like, okay, I used to be a dumbass. That was fine. I'm just going to leave it out because I was a dumbass. But if someone tries to take something that I said in 2007 to a 2032 election, way out of pocket, way out of context. And obviously I'm going to apologize again and say, I'm not that person anymore. You know, it's weird. It's not weird. Cause remember it's part of the game. True. True. It's part, and here's what I, say, what I say is part of the game, right? Cause we all know, and we see it time and time again, how white supremacy works. And this is why it's uncomfortable for white people because they don't like it, but at the same time, they benefit from it. Meaning this, when a white person does it, right? They blackface, they say something racial. What's the first thing they go on? And a whole apology tour. Who do they look for? Some reverend, some token white person, black <laughs> person, <James>. right? <laughs> to, give them, to give them the pass, and then what happens? Tyson. <laughs> right? That's what they do. They look for what? We, they, and, and so they know how to redeem themselves, right? But let someone, a person of color, do the exact same thing. Instant cut off. Why? Because, because why? They don't want us to be redeemed. If when you give someone redemption, you know what you're doing? You're giving them a second chance. We don't yeah. get second chances. They don't want us to. So that's when you got to learn for yourself. Give yourself the second chance. The best example of that is Michael Vick. They got Michael Vick's cake for what? Dog fighting. Jeffrey Epstein was doing some horrible stuff, but yet that guy still talked about and praised. Yeah. He was dog fighting. This guy was doing some pedal stuff. But yet, Jeffrey Epstein is a saint. How? How is he praised? Donald Trump, grabbed by the pussy. Dumbass, dumbass chief, chief, chief president. But he's still chief president. Tiger Woods had a crazy ass affair. They run him into the dirt. How did OJ escape? Oh, psh. okay. I'm, I'm fucking with you. <laughs> no, they should post it the best. We know he did it. We just want to see him get off. <laughs> because, no, seriously, what, and what happened is that what OJ did, he was a one million opportunity. He got off because they messed up with saying, with what? The glove don't fit. Mm-hmm. Notice how after that, they never let that happen again. OJ played the system. The system had to do what? Recorrect itself to make sure not they do that again. I'm not saying it's right. Mm-hmm. What he did was wrong. That whole thing is wrong, period. Mm-hmm. But when you have the money to play the game, you can do what you do. We see them do it all the time, but yet we praise them for what they do. I'm not praising you for what he did, but as a person who's observing, 
I can see, okay, so that's how they did it. That's why he got off. That's why this goes down the way it does. This is why they come out this way. So when it happens to you, it's about, yeah, that happened back in 2007. I was young and dumb. I didn't know any better. But as I got older, I started sitting around with these OGs. But once I started educating me, I began to change. Yeah. Now, now, if you can accept me changing, that's now your problem. But right. I'm going to keep changing, and I'm going to keep growing. Now, right. that means for us, you, you're going to still be blackballed. Mm-hmm. So we kept out. But guess what? In time, even the wind erodes from the wind. In other words, give it time. You're going to be here for a while. It's going to suck. But if you can play the patient game, mm-hmm. not see time as like, I have to be only 20 to do it. You got a whole lifetime to live. Yeah. So if it won't happen for you now, that's cool. Keep building, get ready for because eventually it's going to pass over. And if it comes back up again, what happens? Well, they've already changed. They also have a bigger fan base. Their fans are saying, no, 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 you ain't doing that to this person. We, we hear you. We're holding them accountable, but they've but they shown us the work. Now who's mad? The right. system's mad. Right. They're upset. They're angry because why? They no longer have the control and the power to weigh you down over what you did. But you have, but, but here's the thing though. You have to be actively engaging in the change. You can't be faking it though. Right. It has to be genuine because for us, we don't get that leisure. We don't. So you have to mean what you say and back it up in the proof. Right. Yeah. No, it's very true. Like you have to, you have to have you have to have a backing to what you say or it's not valid. That's not. You can't, you can't even preach it. You can't even like be performative and called enough. That's it's never the case. Uh, it's it's so sad, but it's it's and it's a fucked up thing, but like again, like we have to work It's part of the game. It's part of the game. It's part of the game. <laughs> anyway, my dude, uh so we need to get to some closing parts of this Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Is there any um anything else that you would like folks to know before I start, you know, dropping all the socials? Okay, so I know everyone's been hitting me up a lot about the song Secret Ingredient. Ah, please get in it. Because that one right there, that song, I know everyone loves the vibe. They love the message, but Secret Ingredient is actually tied to Animal Crackers. Because so, in other words, those two songs are part of the whole answer. Animal Crackers is talking about how you have to learn how to let go of the American dream. It's a lie. It's a farce. And the more you hold on to it, the more it's going to kill you on the inside out. Right. The more you learn, the more you let go of it, you're left with like, well, what do I do? Like, well, then how do I live? Loving yourself. That's what's at the very end. The secret ingredient is loving me. And the whole verse is talking about how you can do 10,000 hours. You can have a nice life, but it doesn't mean they're going to accept you. It doesn't mean they're going to appreciate you. Mm-hmm. And then when you get in your feelings, you're angry about it. They're going to make you feel bad for being angry about it. Right. You have to learn how to what? How to deal with yourself. It doesn't mean you won't be angry or frustrated with stuff. You just now have a higher level of control. Mm-hmm. And when you have the high level control, they can never take anything from you because whatever you walk into, you deserve to be there. Because why? You've done the work. You paid your dues. You've done everything accordingly. So guess what? You deserve that position. You deserve that bonus. You deserve that raise. You deserve your degree. You deserve to be successful as an artist. You deserve to be loved. You deserve to be happy. Mm-hmm. You made your mistakes. You fucked up in some areas. Okay. Yeah. 
but you've also redeemed yourself. Exactly. You've healed yourself. You progressed to a place to where now the secret ingredient is just loving me. And from loving me, it doesn't mean that I dismiss might as well. My faults are shortcoming. I don't look over what can put me down in bad places. I don't look over to where even if I'm wrong. If someone says, yo, rap nerd, dude, you did this wrong and that wrong or you offended me. I'm not going to be like, the fuck you mean? I'm going to be like, yo, okay, like, can you please explain to me where I messed up because I'm not seeing it. Right. And then if there's love between us, there's going to be then like, you know what? I'll translate what I mean to you. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and then on my side, I'm open to the translation. Mm-hmm. And then when they tell me, I was like, oh, snaps, my bad. That was totally wrong of me. You're right. I'm sorry. Now, here's the thing. I can say I'm sorry, but it's up to that person to either agree with it and acknowledge it or uh, just miss it outright. Right. I, ha- I don't have that ability to tell them how to feel. Mm-hmm. But what were we taught through white supremacy? You should forgive me. You should know they shouldn't. If I did what they said I did, and if and now I'm seeing the proof that I'm guilty, I got to live the consequences of that, of those actions. Mm-hmm. So if they cut me off, if they like press charges or whatever that may be, I got to now fight them. I got to protect myself. But also too, I know where to, using the law, what to agree to, what not to agree to, how to talk to my lawyer, how to protect myself, because not everyone has a sense of justice in their anger. Right. A lot of folks are angry with what? Vengeance. When there's vengeance involved, there is no grace or mercy to acknowledge that you've changed and you've grown. It's I want to annihilate you. There's no mm-hmm. love in that. We don't want to redeem people. Working with kids who are incarcerated right now, it's crazy how much we throw the book at these kids without looking at what are they dealing with and where, and where they're coming from. I'm not dismissing the crime, but why, are we try, but, but, but why are we trying these kids as adults when they're still minors and juveniles? Yeah. We, and just, then, we literally just, I, I feel like we, someone who was incarcerated when they were 18, and don't get me wrong, legal age, 18 is considered an adult, but correct. 18 is also still the beginning of your adulthood and someone who was incarcerated then just now got executed. I, I think it was like 25 years later. You know what I mean? And, 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 what, and what's, what's horrible is that we, again, we don't believe in redemption. How can we say we are a Christian nation, but we are so quick for the death penalty and life sentences? We don't even focus on rehabilitation. But yet we're talking to you about God? I don't see it. Because, because I'm not saying don't do the time. Do the time for the crime. I totally understand that part. But the question is, in that time for the crime, are we trying to rehabilitate the person, trying to fix the person, or do we just want to kill them and use them to avoid indigenous, indigenous, indigenous servitude to do, in order to keep slavery and work? Yeah. So, so come on now. I mean, so, that's exactly what it is. Because like, what is, what is it with all these? It's only, it's only targeted to those who are black, who are those who are Latino, to those who are just basically um, Native not American. White. Anybody who is not white, because this is what's pissing me off. Lori Lachlan, the lady who spent like half a million dollars to get her daughter into an Ivy League school, only did three months worth of prison. I'm like, that ain't shit. That ain't shit. For the women who had to like do a district transfer for their black daughters and sons to put them in a better school, those ladies got arrested. And who knows if they're even out of jail yet. You know what I'm saying? And then go back to Russell Over about the about about the book Talking with Strangers. Brock Turner found guilty, but only did what six months. There are black even athletes- less than that, yeah. 
six months, but often three months due to good behavior. There are so many stories of black athletes being falsely accused of rape who lose their scholarship, lose opportunities with the NFL, then after five years, find out they were innocent, but their whole lives are ruined off of an accusation. This is not even saying if, if it did happen, because right. even if it did happen, right, a black man and a white man could rape a woman. A white guy will still get less time than a black person. Yep. I'm, not, again, I'm not saying they're innocent. It's how we look at time and how heavy is the severity of the crime. This is pure, even in uh, was it, FBI reports. The yeah. FBI said a black and white person can do the exact same crime, but white people get less time than black. So, I, so I'm saying all this to say folks, folks that if you don't know how to love yourself, to recognize what you're dealing with, to understand the complexities of, of, of the levels of this game, you will always lose. Because why? The first step is to love you. Because when you love yourself, will you intentionally put yourself in harm's way? Would you do anything to risk an opportunity for yourself? You will not. Because why? You are grateful for what you have, what you can do, what you can achieve, and for everyone in your lifestyle. But if you do not see value in yourself, if you think you are trash, then you what? You see the whole world as your, as your trash bin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the game. They've and, and 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 the worst thing is that if you can make someone always be a victim, be a slave in their mind, then everything they do is what a slave mentality. And was I remember I watched um, a Joe Rogan podcast with Kanye West, and they finally broke down when he, Kanye said slavery was a choice. And what I because I heard something else, I was like, what the hell? Like, yeah, choice? What the fuck you mean? <laughs> but what he meant was that he's like, well, so what I was referring to was the black mind state. Mm-hmm. If you're always in the slave mentality, you're now stuck there because why? You're believing it. And the saddest thing of all, slavery, first of all, was never a choice for black people who came over here. We didn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. But once it, but, but now when flipping around in reverse. And then as at the Emancipation Proclamation, there was documents saying because blacks couldn't read, they didn't know they were free. Even Harriet Tubman had a hard time freeing a lot of slaves because why? They couldn't believe they could even could be free because the chains weren't just on their hands. It was in their minds. The Atlantic Passage is the worst thing that ever happened to black folks because why? It wasn't just about putting us in handcuffs. When you're put against your warring tribe, when you're taught and told you are less than, when your wife can be ripped out of your arms, your babies can be sold off, you are castrated and used as nothing but shadow. Do you see any value in yourself? Mm-hmm. And even when they're free, they put Jim Crow laws. They do whatever they can to remind you that you ain't shit. Do you ever see yourself as anything great then? When they call you baby, boy, or girl, that's why I, I said earlier, let me, let me fix that. My, my, young queens, my, my young kings and queens, you know what I mean? Give you that honor of what you deserve. We never see ourselves anything greater than. So because of it, that's why we kill our own, we hurt our own, we steal from our own, we rob our own, we take down our own. We have to come back to loving us. When you love you, you're going to love the community a lot better because why? You look like me. I want to see you succeed. You're doing great. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Can't help you, but you give me a book instead? Man, I thank you for that. We're changing the way we view ourselves. It's not going to be easy. As I said, I know what it's like to taste defeat. I know what it's like to lose a dream. You're going to go through some shit after shit after shit after shit. But no matter what you go through, love yourself through it. 
Love yourself through your failures. Love yourself through your hiccups. Love yourself so when you, you know, when you try, 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 and no one puts you on, still love you, celebrate you, and be proud of you. Because when you do that, when you finally have like, like this awesome podcast that's doing so great, no one can take it from you. Because it's yours. You paid the dues. You went through it. You made your fuck-ups. You know what I mean? I made my fuck-ups. But guess what? Can't no one take it from us. And I honestly, I believe, I know what I'm saying about the whole superpowers on 21st. I already, like, I (laughs) I honestly believe, though, we don't realize, I'll just decide, the true power is loving ourselves. Because honestly, V, I really believe, the moment black people, I say black people for a reason, the moment we learn how to love ourselves, their fear is this. And, and Mr. Farrakhan said it best. I'm, I'm not Nation of Islam. That's not who I am. But I can recognize wisdom when it's said to me, okay? He said this. The fear is simply they know what they did to us, so they fear we're going to do it to them. But what they don't realize is that we are children of the sun and the stars. Our pigment is the hardest to replicate ever. So mm-hmm. our consciousness is not the same as theirs. We are not fighting for survival. We're right. fighting for justice. We're fighting for love. We're fighting for equality for all. So when we come to our place of self-acceptance and self-love, that includes everybody. Yours only includes yourself. That's why black power is even the same as white power. What do they, what, what do they say out there in Charleston? You will not erase us. Why are you saying that? What is your true fear? What kind of game are you playing? That's the game we're playing. So I believe that when black folks, we learn to love ourselves to that level, it doesn't mean that we excuse the bullshit, excuse the racism, excuse the homophobia, excuse treating women like trash, men like trash. No, we're going to deal with that. But I still love you as we go through it. Because why? I want to see us change and let go of this system that we are so sold on and believe that we have to have. We don't have to have it because we've seen time and time again, when we own our stuff, when we run our stuff, what happens? We're laughing. We're smiling. We're eating good. We're being ourselves. We're joyful. Mm-hmm. They don't like that because why? They don't have that. How can you be happy in this world? How can you've been through X, Y, and Z? Yeah, because I've been through X, Y, and Z. That's why I appreciate, I have gratitude just for the little things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so secret exactly. ingredient literally is loving you. <laughs> Loving you, loving yourself. This, these are all important life lessons, especially for all of us of color. Like definitely things that we need to do to strengthen our, ourselves, to strengthen mm-hmm. our community, and to also make sure that everything becomes justified in the future. And, um, again, no, this- and, and again, for all my white friends who I love you dearly, okay? We said about you right now. So get, so get your feelings. It's not about you. Get your feelings. We don't hate you. That's you projecting right now. Mm-hmm. Let go of that. This is for my brothers and sisters who need to know, even the young black, black and brown kids in the streets to know, baby, my young kings and queens, my older kings and queens, even the, even the little babies and, 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 and the little guys. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the, baby, the babies. <laughs> you are destined for greatness. You are, the ans- you are the dream and the hopes and the answers to our ancestors. Just for the fact, V, for you to have your own, your own podcast, do you not realize how many black women wish back in 1920 can be doing what you're doing right now freely? Oh, I bet. So just because of that alone, you are winning. You are winning. You are excelling. And, once you, and when we're going to probably get praised for that, do we no longer need the vanity of having the nice things, nice cars? I'm not saying we don't want them, but mm-hmm. it's not the pressure to keep up with the Joneses. 
fuck the Joneses. I'm Gucci. I'm great the way that I am. And if I get to that level, awesome. But even then, I still care about my community because of what? I want to give back to my people. Yeah, exactly. So I'm proud of you, V. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> no, I'm proud of you. Like this whole like funny shit, like <laughs> this whole this whole ass album that I was just laughing my ass off about was actually much deeper than like what I was even anticipating. So like I got I definitely got a bunch of hot takes here. That's awesome. A bunch of hot cakes. Um, <laughs> no, but seriously, this was very no, this was very knowledgeable and very informative and like, you know, always re- reassuring all of us like we can all do better and we could all get that get to that place. So yeah. thank you so much. Oh, uh, you're more than welcome, V. Yeah. Oh, more welcome. Where can they find you? Um everywhere, iTunes, <laughs> Spotify, Bandcamp. Um, duh rap nerd as you see right now my handle right here on IG if you put the video out there for YouTube or um, that's D-A-R-A-P-N-E-R-D that's me the rap nerd and just hit me up say what's up um, and please tell me what song you like on the album I will tell folks right now I do want to do some music videos incorporating people especially the song Snickerdoodle I want to see couples singing the song to each other and make a music video out of that so I'm working on some stuff and growing some things around but yeah this I Hit me up everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr. Um, <laughs> Tumblr. Uh, now, if you find me on Clubhouse, you'll find me on Clubhouse, but don't spam me with your music mixtape. I'm not there for that. I'm there to suck up me some game. So I encourage you, suck up some game if you're on Clubhouse. If not, just know that if you get in, you get in. But stop spamming people, please. Like, spamming people, folks, is the same as showing dick pics to women. Stop it. No, oh don't God. do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. Like, was I love what Matilda Wazim said in her, in her verse in, in, uh, uh, in, in, in Confetti. You show me your dick, you think, you show me your dick, you think, I think, I think about it. Like, <laughs> like, then in 2021, please stop sending women unsolicited dick pics. If she wants it from you, she'll ask you for it. Simple so you, as that. You're saying you, know, you don't want unsolicited producer tapes? No! <laughs> <laughs> Stop it, please. I'm checking my cell phone right now. Damn. <laughs> but if I do like it, I'll let you know. This is just, 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 just the same way. If you like my stuff, you'll let me know. Allow us to just mutually engage. Okay. Yeah. And then from there, I may say, yo, send me your stuff. I like what you're doing. And then we can talk. But don't even look to me to have the magic ticket for you because I won't. Because I'm not you and you're not me. Mm-hmm. have consent be respectful have consent mm-hmm. be respectful well, thank you so much for joining me on the Pass and Drive episode you can find this episode later on the SoundCloud uh, in a couple of days SoundCloud too I'll be doing more for SoundCloud pretty soon coming next year as well SoundCloud and on Twitch too yes yes all oh, that, streamer, that streamer life uh, again this is The Rap Nerd all hail from Talk about it. <laughs> and, uh, back, we we bring it back, we bring it back, we bring it back. <laughs> this is your host, Sometime Judy, and I hope you guys have a wonderful holiday since this is going to be released right before the holidays. Um, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah. Love you. Love you. <laughs>